real men are going to take that Civic Center apart and then we're all going to be over at Rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo. We are doing and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs and gets the girl. But one time I wrestled a giraffe to the ground with my bare hands. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. Honey, you think KFC's still open? What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, live from the LBK, and joining me, as always, from Houston is Matt Clare. What's going on, Matt? Hey, uh, what's up, Will? How are you? I am uh, doing solid, man. Just getting by uh, this week, and uh, tell you what, glad that old uh, college football is finally here. And uh, really, it was just like it was like the wildest weekend ever of college football, man. Like they talked it, it up. Seemed like it never ended, right? Yeah, and I loved it. I loved that it. it went from Thursday all the way to to Monday, and would love if they did it that way every week. No, you can't because NFL or whatever. But uh, but yeah, and it was it was a weekend where you know obviously like ESPN was hyping it up as like greatest weekend ever. You know, like the whole the whole deal with with, That's with pretty with, good, well, right? You know, I I think I have a future in uh, in in movie narration and uh, in those kind of things, but uh, but we can talk about that later. But uh, I, I I guess, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really did think that it turned out to be just one of the funnest weekends. Of, of as far as like big matchups, and I think that's really been, been kind of the the cool side effect of the playoff is that now everybody's you know kind of scheduling these big games in week one through week three where they're playing you know legit opponents, and as opposed to you know five years ago when everybody played FCS and low group of five teams for the first uh, you know three weeks, other than maybe you know one primetime matchup every every weekend. So that that was kind of the fun part for me is is just how how good the games were and and lots of surprising results. And, and I know we don't want to get to that at the end, but but I would say that was kind of the thing to me, man. Is just just it was so much fun, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of surprise. I would say. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and and it's you know doing what we do. There's either a bunch of offers and a bunch of things to report about. Or it's the off season, and yeah. it was a long off season. Uh, but the the first game's out of the way. I know we're about to dive into that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think you pretty much covered it all. I I tried to watch as as much as I possibly could, and in hindsight, you know, a couple of days later, you know, how much can you judge week one? And, and, you know, even and we're going to talk about that a lot as it pertains to, to Arizona State and just some of our thoughts in general from week one across college football. But uh, but, yeah, definitely excited to get into it. The, the podcast is a lot more fun when there's actual football and results and wins to talk about and, and just news from around the nation. So I'm excited. There absolutely is, man. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited, too, for us to finally have a lot of this to talk about and. That's always the most interesting thing, and and I always kind of wonder if it's a wives' tale when everybody talks about you know teams change the most between week one and week two, and, and a lot of people always talk about you might as well throw the results out from week one because teams are going to be different. And and while I agree, you know there's going to be a lot of different down the road. You never know, really know what's going to happen week two. But 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 I thought it was interesting, you know, that somebody asked Cliff that this week, and and he said that you know he thought that that we that it was wasn't you know 
just kind of talk or a wives tale. He really thought that, you know, week two was kind of when you see things change the most for a team. So that'll be interesting this weekend as Tech goes out to Arizona State. But uh, we did want to real quick look at the opener against uh, Stephen F. Austin and kind of share our thoughts. So uh, I guess first, Matt, I'll let you kind of talk about what you saw from TV. You know, it'll be a little different for both of us because cause yeah. you, you saw it on TV. I was there in person. But but first, uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts from afar, what you kind of saw, what you thought, just everything. You know, I, I can't, I mean, again, I saw it from afar and I, I shared my thoughts on the round table, you know, as SFA, I feel like the, the team came out and did what they were supposed to do. Uh, I do agree with Cliff that at times, you know, you, you put yourself in those situations at third and long where, you know, maybe, maybe you convert that against an SFA, but, but that's a three and out versus a, right. a better defense. So, so, you know, I, I, there was a lot of good and bad. Um, a lot more good than bad, but in terms of you know what we've been talking about lately on the podcast, we talked about these guys who you know we've written stories about, we followed their careers up to this point, they've transferred, they have this story, they have that story, um, and, and namely Pipkins and, and Hill there on the defensive line, and right. I mean you just really have to like what you saw out of those guys, and and that's why it's so important to bridge that gap from week one to week two. Now you're going on the road, uh, now you're trying to do it in, in front of you know someone else's crowd, and, and doing it against a much more talented opponent in Arizona State. So uh, I think it'll be another interesting storyline going into this week. But, you know, even even recruits that were there uh, mentioned that the, the defense looked improved and that they were flying around the field. So I'm sure we can go into a lot more detail. But, I mean, we've already covered it as no, ad nauseum, you know, as you guys are going to read this. Or, excuse me, read. I hope you don't read the podcast. Listen to this on uh, on Thursday. No reading You've required. a lot of. Yeah, you've seen a, a, almost a whole week go by since the game. So so we won't go into specifics. But, but, man, again, I just have to reiterate those guys on the defensive line, you know, couple that with Fajoko. I mean, that's that's some pretty serious firepower there. Yeah, and, and, and my interesting kind of thought on it was, obviously it's an FCS team, and there's going to be a pretty obvious talent gap across the board. And, and I think that's why you see, you know, usually anyway, you know, teams are at some point are just going to break away from a lot of these FCS teams. But the interesting thing to me was that that uh, SFA returned, it was like 90% of the production on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, had a pretty veteran offense that really didn't give up a ton of points last year. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, returned the starting quarterback, both both running backs, top receivers. So, so I mean, it was a veteran group that, that wasn't trying to really gel week one necessarily. So that was the interesting thing to me, the fact that Tech just kind of came out of the gate and just flattened them from, from you know, the, the opening series on both sides of the ball. So that was kind of the interesting thing to me. And uh, and defensively would agree 100% that it just looks different now than it has in the past. And it, I just can't remember the last time I saw a team, a Tech team, you know, hold any opposing rushing attack, no matter who they were, to negative six yards and a half, whether that be FCS or not. Because to think about last year, Sam Houston ran for over 300 on Tech. You know, and I know that's yeah. you know I know that's like a top five FCS program, but at the same time, that's just a world difference as far as what you got, and and know a lot of that has to do with you know with with, uh, with Pipkins and Hill, and and just just what I saw from the physicality was something that that really impressed me. I just saw so many guys, uh, you know, getting after you know getting after their their you know the guy that was trying to block them in one on ones, guys shedding shedding blockers. Uh, guys, you know, getting after it on tackles because I tell you what, man, Keenan Ward, Tevin Madison, 
uh, Jayshon Johnson, several of these linebackers, defensive linemen, they were hitting some people. And, and that's something that I haven't seen these guys do in a long time. So so regardless of the opponent, I think those are things that you can take to the bank as at least encouraging as far as positives. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I would say that I think if you look deeper than purely the numbers and you kind of go back and watch the game, it's pretty obvious to see why Cliff was was pretty pissed about you know how things went down because there was a lot of sloppy play from the receivers and from from Pat both I think and uh, I, I think Pat really kind of you know went back to you know I think it's an opponent he could pretty easily revert back to just trying to play backyard ball and get hit big plays on which he did. But then he also missed, you know, sub- missed reads that Cliff didn't want him to. I know, I know, Cliff was upset with him, you know, there even at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter because he was just missing throws that he should have been hitting and and it just didn't look like it was supposed to. Receivers dropping balls, not running the right routes. I mean, it was just a little sloppy. But he could get away with those things against SFA, and uh, it, yeah. was just, it was just interesting to hear his thoughts afterwards about that. Well, all that being said, just to wrap it up on on just the. Yeah. the- offense and defense thoughts is that the the stat I noticed after the game was that Texas Tech has now scored at least 50 points in seven straight home games so they're doing something right yeah yeah they're doing something right on offense and and Pat has a lot to do with that but also today uh pro football focus the the college football uh edition came out with a, a tweet that that nose tackle Andre Pipkins made five solo run stops on just 11 run defense snaps so, I mean, just kind of shows you the effort that, that he was putting in. And, and I think that, you know, not only the coaches, but his teammates echoed that. And, and I could see that on television. So that was encouraging. Yeah. I mean, even when he went down with that leg cramp, everyone was like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, so so uh, hopefully I'm I'm hoping to to see what he can do on the road, like I said, in, in a different environment. And, and, you know, notably against probably a better better group of, of uh, offensive linemen and, and a better offense at, at Arizona State. Yeah, no doubt, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, but what we kind of wanted to get into here real quick before we jump to Arizona State, wanted to kind of discuss some of what Cliff said this week and, and, and play some of those those clips for you. And the first of the those was, excuse me, good Lord. I uh, don't know what was going on there. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he, you know, he just – Several things that really kind of stuck out to me is as far as uh, some of the quotes he he said this week about how where he thought the team was and and just kind of his thoughts and the first of those which kind of relates to you know after the game on on Saturday he was very visibly frustrated with the way the offense especially the second team but but still with the first team how they played uh, kind of loose too loose and too sloppy and. Uh, weren't very physical blocking whether it be the offensive line or the receivers and and I would say to the point of that he was you know I mean pretty mad about it so uh so you know on Saban-esque uh not Saban levels because that's like fiery volcano short man syndrome anger but you saw his post game right yeah and and with him I just kind of expect that because he's like that in every post game man talk about like a guy that it would be miserable to be around as far as having to cover well, he's got like 32 coaches, but that's another two conversation. <laughs> that is also another thing we'll talk about. But, um, but as far as Cliff, on he spoke with the media on Tuesday for the last time this week before they left this weekend, and uh, here's uh, just kind of what he had to say whenever I asked him about how he thought the team practiced this week and if he thought the group played a little bit more physical. I think good. I think we refocused. Our coaching staff seemed to all be in agreement. We had to tighten a lot of things up. And- work on fundamentals, techniques, and, and then just being more physical at the point of attack. And so we've we worked out the first two days and got to get better at it again tomorrow, and we'll see. 
So, you know, really kind of what he said there uh, was that he thought, you know, they had a good week and that the group really, as he said, refocused and, and worked on fundamentals technique and, and just really wanted to be more be more physical. And, and he liked that a lot better through the first two days of practice. And and that's been an interesting development for me when, when talking about Cliff and just kind of how he's changed as a coach. I think you've heard so much more over the last six to eight months about, you know, being physical, being mentally tough, all this kind of thing. And I think he's really tried to ingrain that in the program, and that's been a big difference. I don't know if you've seen it, but that I've seen from how he's talked and, and just the kids they recruit and how they kind of act about things. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would make it that all-encompassing, but I do see a difference. Um, and, and I was honestly, I can't say surprised by his comments, but I did notice that there there have been different, both in, you know, even like you said, just in the nonverbal reactions, as well as some of his quotes. And then, right. you know, it was kind of interesting to, to hear the follow up. So, uh, but again, you know, going back to be fair, it's week one. And it was it was at home. And maybe the guys were excited. And, and that cost. Yeah, I think that, that was but, part of it. Yeah. But like we said, I think they were at least two or three times early in the game where they had third and long, and they were fortunate to convert it. And Pat was running a lot more than usual. And I just don't, you know, I think Cliff agrees that's not the the best uh, recipe for keeping him healthy and, and keeping them, you know, ahead on the offensive side of the ball. But you end up with 69 points. And, and to be quite honest, I think Cliff had been stewing for a couple quarters out there mm-hmm. watching the second team. Just, I think that's part of it, too. You know, no, it was yakety sex you know? all all evening when the second team <laughs> offense was in. And to be honest, I think he was pretty upset with that because I think he's seen better out of them in practice and specifically out of Shimanek, who who he's, you know, bragged on all camp, said he was the most accurate guy in camp. And I think he kind of had some jitters and, and came out and didn't play his best game. So, so I think I agree, but, uh, but yeah, it's just been interesting to hear him talk like that. But speaking of, you know, protection and Pat running around, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that works out this weekend against Arizona state, seeing as that's uh, a team that's pretty blitz heavy from a scheme standpoint, they love in known past situations anyway, to bring five or six guys and try to get after you and, and gamble a little bit and see if they can get to the quarterback and, that that's going to be an interesting matchup, and and just to see how you know Cliff handles that as far as schematically, and how Pat handles that, because I think if you look back to that 2013 Holiday Bowl, I think that was a big reason that Tech kind of shredded you know that Arizona State defense because they did blitz so much, and it kind of gave you know uh, Webb some opportunities to throw it downfield to some guys. But uh, but yeah, you know uh, Cliff was asked about that this week, and uh, here's what he kind of had to say when he thought about you know. Uh, Mahomes and the offensive line and how they'll kind of handle this blitz-heavy, you know, Arizona State defense. Um, I like Pat to not get hit. So uh, they do a good job getting to the quarterback. They do a good job causing negative plays. So we got to be smart. He's got to know when to get rid of the ball and know when to hold on to it and make those special plays he can make. So I think there'll be a fine line for him. But he's seen some pressure defenses before, and I think he'll be ready. So first thing he says, you know, Cliff says is, I like Pat to not get hit, which is is pretty obvious. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was interesting to me where he said that, you know, it would be a lot about how uh, Pat did as far as decision-making and that kind of split second there when you know guys are going to blitz and then you, you, you snap the ball where you kind of have to make the decision on where you're going to go with it there pretty quick. Um, but he also, you know, wanted to point out that, that Pat's faced defenses that do that before and done fine, so... I think he's pretty confident in Pat going into this game and, and in himself as far as you know how they're going to scheme it because I think in the past the Cliffs had quite a bit of success against people that try to you know gamble and come after him. 
Yeah, I mean, I just at this point, I have so much faith in Mahomes to to make the right decision, and if not, I have a lot of faith in his ability just to to make it up as he goes. But I mean, I, I was on the sidelines. I I watched him run for his life against LSU. I was about and, to and bring I that just, up. <laughs> I don't I don't think that Arizona State can do that to him, and and if they do, that's not good for Tech. But the only thing I could say is is it is uh, the first road game, and and it's going to be a rowdy place for a night game. So you know maybe. Maybe the the sound and maybe the atmosphere can affect uh, some of the communication, but other than that, I, I don't really see the Arizona State uh, defense and, and that blitz really having a profound effect on Pat. Yeah, I don't either. Especially, you know, like you said, and and, and you brought up with uh, what you kind of brought up there with uh, with Pat and how he, you know, against LSU, really, really, you know, was running around the whole time for his life and 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 didn't. Um, didn't really have any. Tr- I mean, he obviously had trouble, but he would still be able to get passes off, and and those guys really uh, did well as far as getting passes downfield and completing it to guys, and 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 you know having more pass yards against LSU than they've given up in years. So, so yeah, I I don't think they're going to be able to do anything like that. So, so I'm excited to see what Pat can do against that defense this weekend, just because in my opinion he's going to have. Uh, I, I think he'll have a good game, but we'll we'll kind of see where it goes. Uh, as far as Arizona State and and when staying with you know with you know Arizona State and and, and their their defense and what they're going to do, Cliff was asked you know about what those guys did offensively as far as uh, or excuse me what Tech did offensively last week and they didn't run it very much only ran it I think twenty three twenty four times against SFA last week wasn't uh, was kind of a different thing for us because we're obviously used to seeing them run so much with a guy like DeAndre in the backfield. But don't have that guy now, have Stockton back there. And we didn't really get our question answered as far as, you know, can Stockton be an every-down guy because they really didn't ask him to run very much. So uh, don't really know. But, again, like I said, Cliff was asked about, you know, if they would run more against Arizona State or not. And here's what he had to say about that. I don't know. I mean, when you got a quarterback like we have, you can throw it every play and be accurate and protect the football. And, and that's what's working. That's what we'll do. So I'm not one that, hey, we got to establish a ground game and bang our head against the wall. We're not going to do that. If we can't run the ball, we'll throw it every play. So the very first thing that he says is, you know, he doesn't know, you know, if they'll run more. But with a guy like Pat, might as well throw it every play if you can. So I think it's pretty obvious that Cliff doesn't really care as far as the balance of, of run pass, which is interesting to me because there are so many people that – kind of start wringing their hands whenever you don't run it at all and, and you haven't been setting up the run at all. And, and Cliff basically, and he, I've heard him say things like this before, is he doesn't really care about the run pass as far as the balance, as far as you're doing what's going to beat the defense. And, you know, if that's Pat throwing it 60 times a game, that's what he's going to do, which I, I just thought they were interesting comments from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I had uh... – I mean, I had a thought because, you know, even if you go back originally when he was at Houston and they didn't necessarily have a whole lot to work with, you know, they really did play to their personnel. And you had years where they had, you know, a ton more uh, passing yards than they did rushing yards right. and, and vice versa. And so um, and and then you look again, I people do it, but I'm not comparing them to you also look at when he had Johnny Manziel. I mean, he was just going to let him do what he did and he even admitted to that in several interviews so I think we're going to get to a point to where if you know and, and I know you agree with me but if we think that Mahomes is as good as he is then he's going to be able to win games like this he's going to be able to kind of that's what he lacks is those some of those signature yeah. wins he needs to start 
getting those. And I think some of that other, you know, respect will come. But I also think that, you know, we'll come from coach and he'll admit it more freely that, hey, this is a special player. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's kind of doing it right here. I, I think that, um, you know, he's going to trust him. And if it's working, it's working. But, you know, on top of that, what I was going to say is even if you look at the beginning of that SFA game, you got quick pass to the left, quick pass to the left, you know, quick throw to the to the right, to the right. I mean, there's some plays where honestly, yeah, it's a pass, but it's it's Might really well be a run. They're, yeah. Well, yeah, they're nitpicking the defense. So like, okay, you're gonna play it like that. We're gonna get this four yards. Yeah, because they kept boom, playing. Boom. They kept playing all that big cushion. So Cliff just said, all right, we'll just nitpick you to yeah. death, and that's what they did. And, yeah. And I don't have some analysis, but I know for a fact the first two or three drives were full of those types of plays. No, they were for sure, and. uh the interesting thing is, too, to think about what he's, like you said, with his personnel over the years, I think he's done a really good job of kind of adapting to whoever it is and whether that was, well, because think about the one year he was at A&M, those guys led the SEC in rushing, and it was like 3,600 yards or something like that, which I don't think an air rate offense has ever done before they did did that, you know, in, in the SEC that year. And then his first year at Tech, you know, they throw it a ton, and they can't hardly run the ball. And then same thing kind of in 2014. But then last year, it's a lot more even where I think you end up running for about 25 or 2,600 yards as a team. So he's very much going to play to his personnel, which has been the most interesting thing to see, like I said. And, and it's even been kind of a game-to-game deal where you look back to last year whenever Tech played, you know, Kansas – or not Kansas, excuse me, Kansas State and, and Texas at the end of the year – where they ran it like 45 times a game, which which hardly ever happens. And then against LSU, they threw it like 55 times. So I think Cliff does a really good job as far as game planning individually. And that'll be the interesting thing to see against Arizona State this weekend to me because obviously they're going to blitz a bunch. So does that mean you see a bunch of tunnel screens? Does that mean you throw it downfield a bunch? You know, that's kind of what I look for, you know, this weekend. But again... And, and, and like you said, this is another thing to me of Cliff starting to kind of open up more to local media where he's just going to kind of say what he thinks instead of, you know, being cold or kind of cold shoulder. He's just going to kind of let you know what he thinks. Well, I mean, anytime I hear blitz, I mean, that's one-on-one coverage. And so right. if you if you get that with Cantrell and Willie's, even Lauderdale. Even, I mean, even Davis, yeah, all those guys now, I think. That, I mean, yeah, they can exploit that. So I think Pat can either step in the pocket or create some of his own space. And we've seen what he can do, like, with that flick of the wrist. So I, I don't know, just not worried about that particular <laughs> aspect. Right, no, absolutely. And uh, you and I actually got to talk to – or not you and I, excuse me. You got to talk to – You and I. Yeah. <laughs> no, you specifically – uh, got to speak with uh, Hod Rubino, who is the guy that runs Devil's Digest for Rivals, which is the Arizona State site. And you got to speak with him for 15, 20 minutes about you know Arizona State and what's kind of going on out there and, and expectations and a little bit of recruiting. So I uh, wanted to you know get him on, like I said, and 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 really kind of you know let you guys hear from him and what he kind of kind of had to say from the Arizona State perspective. So so here real quick, here's that audio for, from Hod and just kind of what he had to say with him and Matt, uh, just kind of about Arizona State and expectations for this weekend. All right, we have another special guest this week on the Victory Bells podcast. I'm pleased to to join uh, to bring in Hod Rubino, the publisher of DevilsDigest.com, our Arizona State affiliate in the Rivals Network. Hode, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, and, and thanks for providing the q and A. I I know we did a home-and-home home there on our sites just to kind of learn more about the matchup this week. And, you know, without without going into every single detail, just wanted to have you on the podcast, too, to provide some thoughts on the, on the matchup this week. But the, the first question I had is, 
I know we just got week one out of the way. It seems like the off season for us in recruiting, it's either really busy with camps and new offers or it's really slow just waiting on the football season to start. So I guess just as a, a fan base or a sub base over there on Devil's Digest, you know, what what were some of the I don't know, what were some of the, the headliner thoughts from the, the fans uh, at your side after the, the 44-13 win over Northern Arizona this past weekend? Well, I think uh, folks were, first and foremost, um, happy with the win. I mean, uh, you see uh, all the upsets that happened around college football in week one, and uh, you're definitely happy not to be mentioned uh, in, in that group. Uh, you know, one of the upsets really hit hit close to home, and I'm sure maybe – even a little close to home with Texas Tech fans, where Washington State and uh, with Mike Leach as the head coach uh, lost uh, their home matchup to an FCS uh, program, Eastern Washington. Uh, so um, you know you, you see what you see what happens to Washington State and other teams around the country. You're happy with that one and no win. Now it's definitely a victory that uh, did not score many style points for Arizona State, especially in the first half. Uh, it was. Uh, Certainly a struggle, um, especially um, on offense for Arizona State. Uh, they only led uh, 10-3, to and uh, really was um, a somewhat close game uh, midway uh, through the third quarter. But um, Arizona State uh, was able to score in all six of its positions uh, in, in the second half. Uh, the defense gave up 376 yards of uh, passing yards. Uh, they uh, only allowed 13 uh, points at the end of the night. So uh, it's uh, one of those uh, victories where it um, wasn't a clean performance from start to finish, and uh, some finish uh, were uglier than others. But uh, at the end of the night, um, Arizona State uh, did come come away with a victory that uh, was uh, really not in doubt uh, for most of the second half. So that's a positive uh, from that contest. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I mean, uh, the Tech game was at night on Saturday, too, and you already had a lot of those upsets in place. So, it, you know, even though you're playing a, a lower-level opponent, you just never know. I know a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the those, you know, either call them a downside or the reasons that it was close is I noticed I'm not going to even attempt to say some of these names, but I know there's a couple of guys who were held out or they were suspended. Could you give us any updates on, on their status or, or maybe some guys that, that weren't available last week that, that are going to play this week? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll just say first and foremost that some of the suspensions and, and injuries I feel uh, were not all that crucial in the performance. Um, the okay. first two names that I'll mention uh, is uh, defensive uh, tackle, uh, nose tackle, I should say, Ami Latu. Uh, he was suspended for the uh, NEU game, but he will be back for the Texas Tech game. Uh, another uh, possible player returning for suspension at this point, it's unclear if it will or will not happen, is uh, linebacker Salamo Fisu. Uh, he's really your typical middle linebacker and definitely one of the better ones in college football and uh, definitely has uh, the stats uh, nationally from uh, last year to uh, show in terms of uh, overall tackles and tackles for loss. But uh, against a team like Northern Arizona and really against a team like Texas Tech, the value of such a linebacker is not that great. Uh, I'm not saying this as a precursor to the fact that he may be uh, having another game suspension, or really, I would say, extending his suspension to this week. But uh, that's a possibility, maybe subconsciously or not, that sits at the back of the coach's mind. However, um, there are um, two uh, injury class um, suspensions that are affecting the linebacker group. Uh, one of them is uh, Christian Sam, 
uh, who uh, injured his his ankle, and uh, he um, may may not play uh, this week. And he's uh, one linebacker that probably would have um, better skill set, if you will, uh, to uh, to uh, execute coverage coverage duties compared to somebody like Salamo Fisu. And then um, AFC was. Uh, Unfortunately, on the wrong end of a targeting, targeting penalty to another linebacker, Marcus Ball. So he, he'll actually be suspended for the first half of the Texas Tech game. So uh, those are another two names of uh, players that are either going to miss part of the game or maybe, or maybe in Christian Sam's case, uh, miss uh, the whole game. Um, there's another, um, I would say, hybrid uh, linebacker uh, defensive back by the name of uh, Liamo Kiola, and uh, he is expected uh, to come back. Uh, this week after sitting out with a hamstring injury uh, last week. He was dressed, he just did not play, and uh, that could be a, a really huge factor for the Arizona State secondary. Mo Piola is, is a fifth-year senior. Uh, he was moved from linebacker to the secondary uh, to be that calming effect, if you will, for uh, a defensive back unit that is uh, lacking uh, quite a bit uh, uh, with experience and a defensive back unit that. Anybody that uh, was uh, doing some research on Arizona State uh, could see um, how bad Arizona State's passing defense was in 2015. So that was um, definitely uh, one catalyst that uh, had Lyle Mokela moving to that group. And, again, that group did not have the services in week one, but it looks like they might have the services in uh, week two. So that's a quick rundown on uh, some, on some of the players that were injured slash suspended last week and their availability for the Texas Tech game. Sure. And and so just kind of going back, we, we talked about week one, you know, Tech plays SFA and, and Arizona State. You know, you, you guys you guys ended up playing Northern Arizona. We said, you know, as a, as a staff at Red River Sports, we're, we're doing our roundtable. You know, what did we learn about the team? You know, in my summation, I, I don't think we learned a whole lot, right, because, you know, you don't, you're not up against an opponent. Hopefully this game against Arizona State and then conversely the game against Tech will – you know, provide a lot of that clarity, maybe some of those lessons learned. But I know just a few things that we talked about were, you know, improved play from the redshirt freshman at the right tackle and left tackle positions. Uh, you know, can this can some of these new guys for Texas Tech, you know, continue to improve on defense where traditionally Texas Tech has not performed well, you know, against a higher level opponent. What are some of those things that, that are that you guys are, are tossing around or, or maybe some of the things that your subs are noticing that, that maybe they want to see out of this matchup from the Arizona State team? Sure. Um I would say uh one issue which honestly was uh previous concerning, at least in my opinion, but I know a lot of my customers share the same sentiments, is the play of the offensive line. Um like you said, Matt, there's only so much you can take from playing an inferior opponent. I mean, it's, it's a game that you're basically supposed to dominate from start to finish, and when you don't, like like it was the case in Arizona State's case, then uh, maybe some uh, red flags start going up. But I feel that whenever a Power 5 conference team faces an FCS team, if nothing else, let's forget about the skilled players and, you know, and their talent level, physicality is the one aspect I feel should jump at you right away, and you should have sure. no problems conforming line of scrimmage whatsoever. And Arizona State, unfortunately, especially with the offensive line, really struggled in the first half. I felt uh, quarterback Manny Wilkins uh, was running for his life way too often uh, concerning the uh, type of opponent, the type of defensive line that uh, that he was facing. Um, Arizona State's bread and butter on offense is an excellent running game, 
Um, it did, uh, in the end, have 276 yards of rushing, but uh, it really was a struggle. Again, I'm pointing to the first half more than the second half, but nonetheless, I felt that that offensive line could have done much better in the run-blocking department, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, not a great uh, job pass-protecting and gave up three sacks, and that's not the type of performance that we just expect uh, against an FCS opponent. Now, Yes, it was a negating factor that Arizona State's only returning one starter on the offensive line, but nonetheless, if I'm looking at a worrisome uh, component of that game, that's uh, one thing that uh, definitely jumped out at me. Um, as far as individual players that were at the, uh, pleasant surprises, um, the first one uh, is uh, wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Uh, mm-hmm. and folks, that followed, yeah, folks that followed national um, recruiting, he was actually uh, – um, the number one wide receiver by Rivals.com in the 2016 class. So uh, you, you can say, okay, maybe not a big surprise. Uh, somebody comes with big accolades and performs well uh, in their season debut. But nonetheless, I mean, we've seen a lot of five-star five star players uh, not have so great freshman seasons. And uh, Nick Harry uh, grew up uh, here in uh, nearby Chandler, and uh, sometimes you feel that uh, as much as you want to stay home and have the support of your family and friends, uh, it can also be a double-edged sword and just put a lot of pressure on you before your first ever collegiate game. Nikhil Harry uh, played great, uh, scored in a 34-yard run. That was a quasi-pass, if you will. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I thought uh, for a true freshman uh, playing his first ever collegiate game, uh, played very well. And uh, not only just a gifted wide receiver, but a very physical one that did a great job run blocking and helping uh, getting that uh, running game uh, back on track as the game went on. Um, on defense, I would point to linebacker Carlos Mendoza. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I uh, mentioned all the uh, various ailments, uh, suspensions that the linebacker group was uh, suffering on Saturday night. And Carlos Mendoza is a fifth-year senior, somebody who's had a long history with injuries and uh, I think uh, made the most out of his increased uh, playing time, uh, was one of the better uh, defenders on the field for um, Arizona State. Uh, the Sun Devils did a great job shutting down in Arizona's uh, run game. Granted, not an aspect that I expected the Lumberjacks to do well, but uh, nonetheless, um, when you have a reserve player play at a high level, uh, that's something you never take for granted. So uh, Carlos Mendoza at linebacker and Nikhil Harry at wide receiver, those are two players that I thought played very well on Saturday, pleasant surprises, if you will, and uh, I expect them uh, to be key players on Saturday night too. All right, great stuff. So so uh, thank you for everything so far. I want to wrap it up because at Rivals we do recruiting, and especially for Red Raider Sports and, and uh, some of the various sites I write for, including our Texas high school football site, you know, I'm very much so focused on recruiting. So I know that with Todd Graham's background uh, over the years, you guys have had a lot of success. You mentioned Christian Sam from Allen, um, and I'm just looking down the current commitment list, and there's some guys I really like, Lauren Mondi at linebacker, a long-time commitment, Ty Thomas from the Lubbock area, um, and Traylon Smith, who is by far one of my favorite running backs here in the Houston area. Can you just, you know, again, you know, quickly, but but I guess a quick recap of maybe your thoughts as they kind of go in there into Texas. I know there's been, not to bring up a sore subject, but I know with all the, the stuff recently, you know, a scholarship, whatever, but I know it's a big it's a big part of what they do recruiting-wise is the state of Texas uh, at Arizona State. Yeah, but – yeah, absolutely. As uh, as some of the subscribers know, that uh, Todd Graham uh, coached uh, several years at uh, Allen High School uh, in in Texas, and uh, Allen High School is definitely one of the better 
programs uh, in, in that state and really probably the most competitive state when you look at the high school level. So, uh, yeah, Todd Graham definitely makes it a mission uh, to recruit well in Texas. Now, now don't get me wrong, um, I don't think that Arizona State spends more recruiting resources in Texas than Southern California, which is also a very fertile recruiting ground. But, uh, but nonetheless, Arizona State, as long as Todd Graham is at the helm, is uh, definitely going to spend quite a bit of time uh, in Texas. Uh, let's not forget that uh, one of the new additions to the staff is uh, Jay Norvell. If you're a Big 12 uh, follower, you, you know him as uh, the coach uh, at both Oklahoma and, um, and, and Texas. So uh, that's going to help, help, help land Ryan Newsom, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And also John Humphrey, that's uh, the, play, the player of Oklahoma. So, uh, okay, yeah. I guess um, I missed that. There's, uh, <laughs> so, the, yeah, the, 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 there's definitely Texas, uh, Texas connections uh, up, uh, up and down uh, the staff. Um, you know, it, it even ventures uh, to SEC country. Uh, the running backs coach, uh, John Simon, who actually coached with offensive coordinator Chip Lindsay at uh, Southern Miss, um, have good connections in, say, Louisiana. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised when everything's said and done that Arizona State would land a recruiter, too, from that state. Again, a very uh, fertile ground for um, for football talent. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Texas is uh, one state that Arizona State is always going to hit hard uh, in recruiting. It might be number three after, obviously, the state of Arizona and California. Sure. But uh, n- nonetheless, um, I-, I definitely see Arizona State uh, putting some putting some resources over there. And, um, you know, I think Todd Graham, and I know you mentioned the unfortunate incident about a, about a commitment uh, that for an offer that never was committable, but, you know, we're not going to go down that road. But, yeah. uh, but I think that, is, but that, that aside, I think Todd Graham is somebody that has the respect from a lot of high school coaches in Texas. He, he worked, you know, years and years uh, building those relationships, and uh, that's why I feel that Arizona State um, every year can get uh, – a couple of uh, really good athletes uh, from the state of Texas. You mentioned Lauren Mundy, for example. He actually has been committed since 2013. And yeah. uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in our day and age of uh, decommitments um, <laughs> happening in the New York minute, it's just amazing that we're, we're sitting here talking about a player that committed in the summer of 2013 and is still, uh, what, uh, five or so months for actually signing his letter of intent. So uh, sure. that just tells you that... In Arizona State and Don Graham um, are doing are having a lot of recruiting efforts um, in Texas. Uh, we'll see what this class uh, brings. But you mentioned Traylon Smith. I'm really excited about him. Looks like he had a great a great week uh, week one. And um, yeah, I mean I'm expecting uh, more talent uh, to come from Texas to Arizona State. Uh, that's been the trend uh, ever since Todd Graham came here in, uh, at the end of 2011. Yeah, I mean I remember even back just covering recruiting for Texas Tech. I mean. It goes all the way back to that bowl game and even maybe even before um, with Todd Graham's, you know, background in Texas. It just seemed like um, the, the, old, uh, the old joke at RedRaiderSports.com was that they would offer a kid and that, you know, Oklahoma would come in a couple days or two weeks later. But it seemed like <laughs> all the kids we were offering already had a Arizona State offer. And so it's always been a discussion. And, um, you know, those coaches are going after some of the same kids. There's has been some battles that have been lost and, and won on each side. So it's, it's interesting to see these teams play together and see some guys like a Christian Sam, you know, hopefully get on the field. I hope he's doing well. But you hit the nail on the head. He's, he's used to covering spread the, uh, offenses uh, here in Texas and, and would, would help a lot out uh, against Texas Tech. But, uh, but, yeah, just wanted to throw out the recruiting stuff. Um, that's all I have. Um, guys, again, this is – 
Paul Rubino, the publisher of devilsdigest.com. Uh, we appreciate your time. The last thing I have is uh, if you're ready for it, you can you can punt. But if you're ready, what is your prediction for this weekend? Well, I mean, uh, I definitely feel it's going to be the shootout that everybody else is predicting it to be. I mean, Texas Tech is obviously a team that's going to light up the scoreboard uh, in, in some shape or form. Um, I feel that that the Arizona State defense uh, may have a lot of that um, same approach, if you will, uh, against uh, NAU. Um, you know, I know I know my customers may, may be sick of me uh, saying the bend but not break, but that happened a lot against NAU, which, uh, in other words, you know, maybe let let the opposing offense have all the fun in between the 20s, but once they got to the red zone, they're really able to buckle down. And uh, usually teams that are spread teams like Texas Tech and NAU, for that matter, when the field does shrink in the red zone, sometimes uh, have have uh, more difficulty uh, scoring touchdowns, maybe have to set up a field goal. And I think to some extent the Arizona State defense should be able to do that. Uh, I mean, it may be an issue where um, they'll need to make half-time adjustments after uh, – uh, really taking the lumps in the, in the first half, but I think I think eventually they can do just enough uh, to slow down uh, the, the, the Texas Tech um, offense. And uh, on the other side of the ball, um, I feel that uh, the ASU running game really should really should dominate uh, the, the Texas Tech defense um, and really allow uh, Matty Wilkins, an inexperienced quarterback, to find some kind of some kind of success. Um, I think it's going to be a nail-biting game. I mean, I don't see any team uh, just running away with this. Uh, and in any point during the game, I'm predicting uh, an ASU victory uh, 38-35. And again, this should be a very close, very entertaining game. Well, either way, that sounds close and entertaining. Like I said, uh, appreciate it, Hode. Look forward to the game on Saturday. And thanks again for for all of your help this week. We we look forward to it. My my, my pleasure, Matt. Thanks for your help as well. And again, thanks so much to Hod for coming on with Matt and uh, getting to do that interview. Love getting to hear from other guys and what they kind of think because it gives us perspective, you know, from the other side where, where they have a much better pulse on what's going on as far as Arizona State. So uh, we just kind of wanted to go ahead and just dive into that then too as far as the Arizona State matchup this weekend. And going to be an interesting one because I think you look at that game last week against Northern Arizona and it was super close going into the half, only 13-6, to six, and then – they kind of blow it open in the fourth quarter, but but still, it was just an interesting game against an FCS team, especially in a weekend where so many different schools had trouble with FCS teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the you had you had actually watched this game on tape, so right. you'd know more. But I think you texted me that the game was thirteen to seven or thirteen to six going into the fourth. Yeah, it was so so. It was like thirteen to six. I think there was like a minute left when they finally you know scored and started breaking away, and they. I think they scored on every position in the fourth quarter, but wow. but it, but it was it was just an interesting deal to watch because Arizona State's breaking in a new quarterback in Manny Wilkins, uh, who admittedly I think a lot of people would tell you is a much better runner than he is a passer, and those okay. guys like they yeah they like to do a lot of zone read stuff where he he was actually their leading rusher I think he had about eighty five yards rushing a lot of that was on kind of one long run he had but. Um, but yeah, they're going to do a lot of zone read stuff, and, and it, it was just interesting to watch because I think on their first two drives, Arizona State they only passed it one time, and, and their first drive where they scored, they didn't sing, they didn't pass a single time. So I think that just kind of lets you know what they're going to do as far as, excuse me, as far as offensively. I think it's really going to be all about handing the ball off either to Demario Richard or 
their other tailbacks and really kind of letting those guys try to dictate what's going on. And then, like I said, you have Manny Wilkins, who's the new quarterback. And, and I don't think they trust him much yet as far as a lot of throws because he had 180 yards and he went 20 for 27, which means he was only throwing for like seven or eight yards a an attempt, which is not very much, even for when you look at an air raid offense, that's still not very much. I think Pat last week threw it was about 12 or 13 yards an attempt, which is quite a bit. So it's just it's interesting to watch, and and I just I just don't know what I think about this Arizona State offense with a pretty green offensive line, which is a group that has four new starters that gave up three sacks last week and were pretty up and down in run blocking. So and I think that's a big reason it was 13-6 going into the fourth quarter. They just couldn't seem to get anything going on offense until – and I think in a lot of these, these FCS games what happens, and I think it's what happened in this game with, with Arizona State and NAU, is I think the talent gap finally caught up to you know Northern Arizona, and, and, and I think that Arizona State kind of blew them away in the fourth quarter once everybody was kind of worn out. So, yeah, it was just, it was just interesting to watch that. And then defensively – uh, Arizona State was the worst pass defense in the country last year, and they give up almost 400 yards to a true sophomore. You know, on Saturday night uh, for Northern Arizona, who is a good, good young quarterback, but still there were holes all over that defense, and he just kind of tossed it all over the yard on them. So, yeah, I mean, two, okay, so two things there. I mean, just from from you sharing that about the tape, I mean, put 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 I don't know, put a tech spin on that. You know, if you're talking about close games that Tex had and, and, you know, out-of-conference games that should have been easily manageable, we're probably saying the same things. Oh, you know, first game or oh, right. this, that, and the other. Well, it turned out that season they had a really bad defense, you know. Some things are what they are. The last two years, uh, yeah. But but as a reminder, you know, hey, it, um, you know, it's encouraging to see what they did in week one, but also, you know, do you look at, do you look at Arizona State and judge them wholly? No. I mean, Hode provided a lot of detail on who played, who's available, who who might, you know, join them this week, who who is not going to join them, you know. So so they're still waiting on some answers there. Um, but I, I look back to last year where, you know, I know a lot of those guys are gone, but a lot of these guys are back. They they went to Fayetteville last year and they got a victory, and a big reason for that was Pat Mahomes. And we were probably on this podcast talking about, you know what they had to do or what was this, what was that? I mean, they just went out there and got the job done. So I think there's guys on this team that knows what it takes to, to take that road trip and, and get it done. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I, I don't, I know, um, I know he was expecting, I think he said 38, 35 yep, or state, if I remember correctly, yep. I, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, top of my mind. What do I do? Like 48, uh, 48 to maybe like, I don't know, 20? See, I, that's kind of the ballpark I'm in. I would say I was closer to kind of settling on 40 to 27 was kind of where I was at with it. Um, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with is if you look back to the last five, and this was a stat that was just crazy to me, so the last five quarterbacks that have played Arizona State, which start from this last week to the last four games of last year, they've either put up the second-best numbers of their passing career, the best numbers of their passing passing career, or set a school record for passing yards. Every single guy they've played has done that. So every guy they're playing is putting up you know career numbers against this Arizona State defense, and <laughs> it, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, if if you do that, what is a guy like Pat going to do whenever you let him out there with 
a group of eight deep receivers that they're not that just frankly they're not going to see any guys that have that many good receivers in the Pac-12 this year. They like they just aren't. And, and I mean, it's a it's a hungry eight deep too. Like it's a yeah, guys that's out not, there that are ready to make plays. It's it's a it's a group of eight that are all trying to fight each other for a starting spot. And you look back to last week, and you had four guys with over sixty yards receiving, and you had eight guys with over forty five yards receiving. I mean, that just doesn't happen anywhere hardly in college football. And it, it's just there are so many different ways that Tech can attack you with their passing game because I think people like to generalize, you know, passing games and be like, oh, yeah, they can throw the ball. But but Tech can do it in so many ways with this group where they can throw it downfield on you. They can kind of, you know, paper cut you to death underneath and let guys mm-hmm. try to take it. They can do screens. They can throw deep balls. They can uh, get physical. There are just so many ways that they can attack you. And just from what I saw from this Arizona State defense, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Tech's passing offense in any way, shape, or form. I, I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. I may be, I may be wrong some, but I just think that. And it looks when you look back to that 2013 game in the Holiday Bowl, Tech's outside receivers had a field day against that Arizona State defense. You know, I remember Reg Davis and Bradley Marquez both, you know, getting a ton of balls. Eric Ward got a ton of balls. So it, it's just, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I guess I'm not as uh, bullish on the defense. Uh, I did you did predict more points than me, so I shouldn't say that. But I guess what I think happens is you either win the turnover uh, or turnover battle, or, or you don't. And I think it's important to at least get ahead if you're going to tie or, or lose it by one. Right? I mean, right. I think they need to. They need to try to even score off some some miscues if possible, or take advantage of field position because uh, the more that they can get the ball in Pat's hands, I think the better off they're going to be. Because even if Agreed. they're blitzing, you know what I saw was, I mean, he looked calm, cool, and collected. So as long as you can move the chains and keep those guys from just being gassed, I mean, because the I, I am concerned about a running quarterback with you know a, a group that's going to still try to come together and, and gel right. a little bit more after week one in the rushing game overall. And that's just something traditionally, yes, the numbers look so great, but it's SFA, it's SFA, it's SFA. You know, we've got to say that till we're blue in the face. For sure. And, uh, you know, it'll just it'll be interesting to see, you know, what those guys do. We bragged on Pipkins earlier. We talked about how impressed we were with Hill. I and mean, there were plenty of other, other guys to address, but – um, you know, again, it's uh, we got as tech uh, as tech followers and and, and guys that, that watch a lot of tech football. We know that the, the defense is going to have uh, you know some some things to prove on a consistent basis. There's just been so much turnover for sure, and last year was just so bad that uh, they've got to earn that right. Here and, and here here for me is whether this game is a shootout all the way until late in the fourth quarter, or if Tech can pull out ahead. And really, kind of, you know, beat up on Arizona State, which I think it's going to happen one of those two ways. I think if if it's pretty close and it's kind of a shootout back and forth, I think Arizona State probably will run it all over Tech, and it'll be, you know, I think like Hot said, like you know, like a 38-35, 40-38 kind of game. And I think, you know, if if Arizona State's offensive line can pull it together and, and run block well, I think that probably is what's going to happen. But I think if if what I saw from both Tech's defensive line and Arizona State's offensive line from week one holds true. I just think that Arizona State's offensive line is pretty choppy right now. And I just don't know if they can consistently run the ball well enough 
to keep themselves in a game that they're going to have to win in a shootout fashion. And it's just hard to win these kind of games whenever you have a young offensive line and a young quarterback that's only starting his second game ever in a shootout. That's just something hard to do uh, whenever you're facing an offense that at this point is a well, well-oiled machine that has one of the best quarterbacks in the country and one of the best groups of receivers in the country you know, doing it. And, and, and I just think that's that's where the test comes down to me is, is if what I saw from last week holds true with Tech's defensive line, then I think Tech wins this game by double digits. I think if that's not true, we'll see. But I, I just think Tech's going to score a lot. It's just going to depend on if Tech's defense can slow them down, and that's something that, honestly, we still don't know. Exactly. Right? So pretty good. I get an A-plus on that assessment? I, I'm I'm no one to judge, but if I had to, I would say yes, well, A-plus. I, I approve of your judgment then, my friend. So um, I, I guess – just to wrap it up, and this will be the score I put out on Friday. <sighs> yeah, I'm going back and forth. Um, I'll say 45-27 is my final prediction. Tech gets a pretty big road win to start out the year. And uh, Mahomes, I think, will have north of 450 passing yards. Um, and I think your outside receivers are going to have a good day. So so that's kind of my thought. And I think that I think Arizona State will have some success running the ball but I think it'll be a little erratic, and I think Wilkins will throw a couple of picks late whenever they're trying to play catch-up. I just looked at the score against Arkansas from last year. It was 35-24 to on the road. So I had initially said 48-20. to But but you also got to think that they're playing pretty different styles of offense because Arkansas no, exactly. is trying to slow that yeah, down. That's yeah. slowing it down. I know, I know. But running quarterback. And Tech, and Tech didn't even punt in that whole game against Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. okay. So I had said 48-20 to earlier. I, uh, I'll, stick, I'll stick to that because I'm going to say a couple of those points on offense come – after a uh, like an interception or fumble recovery, okay. I think I think they're going to capitalize on some turnovers and 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 then the offense, you know, either that or like we said last year before we went going into the Arkansas game, force the issue, you know, score early, score yeah. often, you know, make them one dimensional and and you know that can affect the entire game. Right, right for sure, and and I think that that'll be what if Tech's really going to kind of get out ahead and kind of put you know pedal to the metal against them. I think if they get out to like a 14 nothing lead or 17-21 something like that where they're up by, you know, two to three scores to the point where, you know, Arizona State has to try to press the issue and has to start going to the passing game. I think that's right when David Gibbs has got, you know, a, a young inexperienced guy like Wilkins right where he wants him. So, I, I agree. I just think that it's really going to come down to whether Arizona State can keep up in the scoring department. So, so like I said, I'll say 45-27 and, and, and 48-20 is what you said. Jace. All right, cool. That's locked and loaded. We will certainly see what happens this weekend. Excited for it. And uh, you, are you excited for that 9 p.m. kickoff? Absolutely, man. <laughs> I mean, it's it, well, it's weird. Uh, I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting to cover the, the UH game this okay. weekend. Because uh, the publisher works on the weekends apparently, and uh, I don't know, can't make this one. So I'm going to do that in the morning, and then is it eleven? Yeah, it's at okay, eleven, cool. and then hopefully I can just either hit up some high school after that, or 
uh, go home and, and just watch college football. But I'm I'm going to be rested and ready to go. I mean, it's it's Pac-12 after dark, baby. Oh yeah, and 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 that's always been something I wanted to experience. So uh, so I get my get my one taste of it this weekend. But uh, but yeah, again, excited to see what happens this weekend with that. So before we got here, wanted to cover a couple of more things quickly. First of which, uh, want to talk a little bit of recruiting where. Uh, UFC two tech commits get new offers this week, and first would be uh, defensive back commit Cameron Curl gets an offer from TCU, and then offensive line uh, commit Jared Hawker picks up an offer from A and M. So uh, I'll let you kind of go first, Matt. Just your thoughts on those two kids getting those offers, and just what it means. Just kind of your your overall uh, thoughts and ideas on that. What does it mean? Uh, it means that the coaches have done a good job of, ding, ding, of ding. evaluating talent, obviously. Uh, thank you. But uh, another thing to me is that, uh, you know, I think both these guys are pretty strong in their commitment. And, and I know everybody wants to know what it means. And uh, I think that's it. I think, you know, different programs have, you know, different evaluation strategies, uh, timelines, call it what you will. A lot of programs like to see your first couple of games on tape. You know, maybe they made Which decisions. is where you're at at this point with high school kids for this fall. Yeah. And, and maybe maybe they made decisions off of that, but I know I know you and I are, are big fans of both prospects, so it's kind of hard for me to 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 kind of give my opinion. Uh, I know I know we're kind of an open book when it comes to the message board, but uh, same thing with Curl and same thing with Hawker. I mean, both have, have reiterated that, right. that they're you know committed to Texas Tech. Hawker doesn't like to do interviews, but but we talk with his father, and and he even posts on the board from time to time. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you like to see that. It's kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? I mean, if they don't For have sure, the offers, yeah. then then they're like Dylan Weaver and oh, who's this kid? Oh, we're taking a chance on him. Well, then then when they do get offers, it's like oh man, oh, can't oh, hold on we're to lose them. Him. We're gonna break yeah. our dreams, yeah. So it's you know it's one way or the other, and then at at the same time, what if uh, you know? Let's I mean, it's it's kind of like the the circle of life, right? Let's say worst case scenario that that Hawker does. Uh, go somewhere else. Well, remember he flipped from Kansas to come to Texas Tech. Yep. So, you know, you're kind of chasing your tail on that one. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think at this point, like I said, from what we've heard, I think both kids still solid. And and all it says really is that you did a better job of evaluating kids than somebody else did. You know, out of the gate as far as on those kids, and know that Tech's thrilled. You know, with both of those guys, and and excited to. To try to get both those guys up for a visit this fall, so, uh, so I, will, yeah. I will say this though. I mean, I think in the new era of recruiting, call it what you will. I don't know if that's a terrible name or not. It would never surprise me for both the kids to say that they're one hundred percent committed, but also both kids wanting to genuinely take an official visit to either TCU or to A and M. Right, and I that agree. wouldn't surprise me. I mean, both kids talked about, you know, I'm sure how they felt at home and this, that, and the other. I mean. The coaches still have to kind of, you know, hold on to that as as these other programs kind of start to pursue them. But for sure. you know, as you'll see, some of that some of that is a waste of time for some of these new offers. You know, some of it will lead to a, a visit, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything either. We've seen every uh, scenario play out every which way, and and so we'll just stay up on the latest. Yeah, no, we've seen this play out every iteration of it that you can imagine. So. We'll keep up with it for now. I think I think Tech's good with both guys, but uh, we'll see how it plays out this fall. And uh, before we get out of here, wanted to real quick just kind of give our thoughts on week one of college football in general and 
the overarching things that stuck out to us, the big the big moments or the the game or or the or just whatever, just kind of whatever stuck out to us. So I'll let you go first, Matt. What was from week one of college football, which again, as I said earlier, you know, was a lot of fun to watch. What was kind of the the one big thing or or, or one or two things that you really uh, took away from the weekend that really just kind of jumped off the page at you? Well, I just have a gripe. I mean, and I feel this way every year, and I'm kind of over it now that you know it's Wednesday night, and you guys will hear this on Thursday, the the week after. But um, preseason rankings. I mean, you you yep. get them every year. And I don't know what it is, but by the end of the day, I'm watching all the recaps and I'm checking scores. I'm seeing upsets or teams that are just playing like, you know, ugh. and I know that that there's a, a middle ground somewhere where like we've t- you know mentioned on the podcast earlier, you know, OK, you don't want to judge everything on week one, yada, yada, yada. But sometimes, you know, you got to call uh, you got to call, call a spade, spade a spade. spade yeah, right? my man. And and so the preseason rankings just they ruin everything because you got like Tennessee and the way that they played and should have lost that game. Yeah. Then you've got all the the then the the worst part is that they ruin everything for the next month because the the um, uh, what do you call it now the 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 committee right the playoff they, committee. they yeah the playoff committee they don't come into play until after week four and so you know yeah that's why these these first two to three weeks are just, I mean, it's just garbage. You, you see all these games where, oh, well, UCLA was the 16th team in the nation and A&M beat them good. And now A&M, oh, well, why is this team ahead of A&M? Or why is, why is A&M behind this team? Yeah, every, or, somebody's getting flustered for every different fan base for a exactly, different reason. You know, and you're never going to satisfy anyone. But if you think about it, you've got LSU that went down, looked horrible in doing so. Terrible. Um, My and, national and, champion pick, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I'll own I'll up to it, and that one is one where I am like under the table now, where I'm just like, oh, God, they're just not going to be able to throw the ball at all. Don't worry. Nobody listens to this podcast anyway. <laughs> You're fine. Um, but, but way to tell on yourself there. Uh, yeah, I had texted you, and uh, I had to get that in. I, I was, know, and I, I was sitting there during, at the end of that game. <laughs> was right before the game started, and I sat there, and I went, damn it, because I, I knew it, man. I knew it, but uh, – <laughs> But but yeah but uh, but yeah yeah keep going you're good. That's my gripe. I yeah. think that's my gripe is I won't go into any more specifics. But three top ten teams go down. Now all of a sudden we've got teams that Texas is eleventh in the nation. We could do a whole another podcast on that. Maybe I mean they, they just yeah. ruin everything. There's no uh, it, you have to almost have the perfect storm right. If yep. you're a program like Tech, you have to have the perfect storm to where you have a breakthrough season. You somehow like look at uh, and then everybody gives you benefit of the doubt afterwards. Yeah, and I know it's a terrible example, but look at Baylor right now. Forget about all the scandal and stuff. They're kind of at a position where they were at twenty five. Now they're at nineteen. You know, people but it was are by not default. Forgetting. Yeah, yeah, people are not forgetting what they had done on the football field. So you almost have to get in the you know in the the starters row, if you will, of that top twenty five to even have any relevance. Or you have to be a blue blood like Texas, where all of a sudden you're back. Uh, because oh, which they're back. Out. Everybody's got to let you know Texas is back, baby. You know, one game in, and, and we're going to call this thing. You know, Big Twelve champs right now. Bonus question: If if Matthew McConaughey motivational speeches are to Texas football, who would Cliff Kingsbury bring in? Uh, oh, to do that man. for Texas Tech, who could motivate <sighs> them? Who could be the Jameis Winston halftime locker room speech for this program? 
it's not going to be a celebrity. Um, it'll not going. Okay, it's, okay. it's going to be a former player. I think it's going to be more along the lines of Winston Winston at uh, at Florida State. You know what? I'm going to take a guy. I'm going to take a guy like Jason Morrow for right now for this group specifically because I think a lot of these guys he's kind of the guy they look up to. You know, especially offensively, but as he's kind of this group's you know, big-time playmaker as far as the team, even though, you know, he really had one, you know, one big year. But when you look at that, I think, you know, that's a guy that makes a lot of sense as far as as that kind of thing. Or, uh, I don't know, I'm just, just trying to think of it. I can't know if I, I was going to – I mean, not, not, not a bad example, but I just think he's from a different regime, if that makes sense. Him and Clifford yeah, have that makes a sense. bond. But, but I would say – you know, maybe if they could, someone as as recent as a DeAndre or even the new newest assistant. I would think Ramirez, I would think Jakeem or yeah, yeah. like Jakeem, Manny Ramirez, somebody like that who's already there just to like really get into the team and you know get them motivated. I know that the San Fajoco does that from just a yeah. sheer enthusiasm standpoint, but uh, I don't know. I just I thought it was funny. People were just they took the big spoon and they were eating it up, man. Um, and I was like, what is this? This is stupid. You know, why, what does Matthew McConaughey know about shit? You know, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he's just it. out there being Matthew McConaughey, man. That's all he was doing. So it was, no, it was, and I think, I think they overplayed what that, whatever that put into the team. But, um, I don't know. And I, I also think back to maybe some guys that played with Cliff. I wonder, you know, what guys, how guys would respond to a guy like, you know, Wes, you know, Welker, if they brought him in and had him, you know, say something. Because I don't know that Wes is necessarily a raw, raw guy like that. But um, it's an interesting question for sure. That's actually a really good question, Matt. Good job, buddy. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, what is your college football week one observation, gripe, rant, slash, et cetera? Uh, So my big observation from week one is just how much the SEC just totally – face planted into the college football season especially the not even specifically just the sec west but you have mississippi state loses to south alabama kentucky loses to southern miss uh tennessee should have lost to appalachian state who by the way is a really good football team um you have you know florida couldn't get the ball moving at all uh lsu loses on the road at wisconsin uh, A&M got real close to pooping themselves against UCLA in the last three minutes after they were up that whole entire game. Uh, it was it was just it was just a terrible week for that conference. Mizzou got blasted by West Virginia. I mean, it, it was just it, it was one of those things where we always talk about how good the SEC is and and you want to wait to see what happens after week one. But it just seems like other than Alabama, who Alabama was Alabama, and they put it on USC in Dallas and just totally depantsed that entire football program in front of God and everyone. What so, if USC is Kentucky though? You mean terrible? Well, I mean, yeah. What if, I mean, what if they're a shell of their former self? I mean, I think that's a very strong possibility. Yeah. I know they have some four and five star guys, but they always, that do. doesn't, that yeah. doesn't mean that they haven't had, you know, a jillion different coaches over the past two or three years. So it doesn't, but, but still, I mean, 
there's nothing you can fault Alabama for that. Then they won by freaking forty five or no. fifty points or whatever it was. So absolutely, if you I don't have it all in front of me, but uh, I was thinking this over the weekend. If you just look at Bouchelle and Hertz alone, uh, those are I think those were offers one and two that Cliff made. They were in the in the twenty sixteen class. In fact, I uh, was there the day that that uh, Cliff offered Bouchelle at the correct. the Lancaster camp after that, and that was the first kid he offered in that class. Yeah, so it was Bouchelle, then Hertz, and then from there it was the kid from Oklahoma who eventually went to Oregon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And and I want to say – actually, let me take that back. Was let Jet me take fourth that back. or fifth? I can't remember so which one. We have to rewind all the way back to the kid that ended up – remember he committed to Tech? Wallace. He committed, yeah, Tristan Wallace, Tristan Wallace was number one. Bouchelle was number two. Hertz was number three. So you, you kind of go through just three right there, and I think they ended up with five or six total offers, including Jet. So and Jet it's was not like, six, five or it's six, not like yeah. they got too far down the line. So I don't know. A little small sample, but gives you lot, gets, gives you some encouragement about, uh, about that position and, and what that guy might be able to do. Yeah, and I think – I, th- I think they're – and kind of going on a little bit of a, a side note here, I think it proves to me just how much these kids if, – if you can get these quarterbacks in as early enrollees, these guys are ready to go by the time their first their freshman – their first game of their freshman year rolls around because they've gone through the system for eight months. On top of that, they've been playing seven-on-seven seven for the last four years in high school. Um, they know the system whenever they get there. So, so that's been the cool thing to me anyway is to just see – how these freshmen have all really kind of started to uh, be able to kind of come in and plug and play, where I'm not saying they're going to be masters of the offense, but you see a kid like Bouchelle, and, and just being honest, I mean, he balled you know, his tail off week one. Yeah, but I think that's the point with these offenses, though. And, then, and maybe, you know, long term, that's the gripe from the NFL. But the the fact is they were talking about the new offense that they've installed and basically the, the idea that it came from Baylor, it came from Tulsa and all that. Um, but those – they have like three or four variations of the same play. There's not, you don't have to come in and like read, you know, double sided, you know, 100 page playbooks with six to seven terms on each play. So I don't know. No. And it's, and I think if you're going to give one of those credits, the most credit or give one of those kids the most credit, it's hurts because that's how it is at Alabama, where it's one of those thick playbooks where you got to kind of learn everything. Whereas, Whereas, you know, it's just like at Baylor now, it's, it's, which if you watch that Texas game and you've watched Baylor play like closely over the last half decade, it is the identical same thing as far as they're going to run it down your throat and then they're going to throw it over the top. You know, that's exactly what I saw from them. Yeah. I mean, whenever we would talk about it, I had never, and to this day, I had still never seen Bouchelle um, in person. So I couldn't sit there and, and tell you one over the other, but I had seen Hertz and, I mean, the guy is just like put together like a linebacker. So well, he looked like um, a he looked like mini Derrick Henry because he has those dreads like Derrick Henry did last year. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's what he looked like in the game to me. But um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting now because I think you can do it at Tech too because Tech doesn't even have a playbook. You just have to write it all down if you want it or do that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, again, just wanted to you know, like we said, talk about those kind of things. So uh, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, close this bad boy out? No, a lot of good stuff. I'm I'm looking forward. I mean, I think by this point next week when we do another podcast, we'll we'll know a lot about this football team, and and it'll be fun to maybe take a look at the rest of the season and really take a close look at at what happens on Saturday night. 
Yep, I absolutely agree, and I'm ready for it to get here on Saturday night. So, once again, you guys just listened to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya.